before we get started with the podcast, I want to tell you something I'm really pumped about this fall. So many leaders are struggling. We understand. We feel challenged as a team. Churches feel challenged. Nonprofits feel squeezed. Businesses don't know how they're going to recover. And if that's you, I want to invite you to be encouraged alongside of us at the Healthy Leaders Summit, October 5th through 8th. We want to speak directly into the challenges you're feeling right now. It's hard to get healthy and stay healthy in this season, but we want to help you. This isn't just one more online conference. This is an online experience. We believe you'll be encouraged. You'll be equipped. We have some incredible thought leaders, authors, speakers, pastors, business leaders coming to you like Mark Batterson, Sam Collier, Jenny Katrin, Pete Scazzaro, Katie Cole, the Hottie Lewis. We're also going to hear from Jimmy Miato from Compassion International about the succession plan, why it is working so well. Guys, fascinating conversations with some incredible people. You do not want to miss this. Here's what's cool is you get to watch this from home or you could watch this in the boardroom. You could watch this with your team, with a friend, with somebody else or completely by yourself. We want to encourage you to set aside a day on the 5th through the 8th, maybe two days, maybe all four days as kind of a study leave, as kind of a break to be refilled after the September push. Guys, we know you're tired and we want to encourage you to block off this time on the calendar, to dedicate these few days to be refilled in your leadership, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. You do not want to miss this. For as little as five bucks, you can attend. So go to healthyleaderssummit.com. The registration is live. It is live right now. So go get this, share this with a friend. We can't wait. We will see you at the Healthy Leaders Summit, October 5th through 8th. We are pumped. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Alan here and I am with my dude, David Bloom, but we are at a cabin. Yes. In the middle of nowhere, like on top of a mountain right now in a rustic cabin. David, yeah. this is like the best podcasting atmosphere ever. Yeah, it's close to home for me. We're right outside of Steamboat Springs. Um, this amazing couple is dreaming and scheming and building towards a pastoral retreat center or ministry leader retreat center. And we get to kind of journey along with them and help them process their vision and all that stuff. So we've just had really fruitful conversations and I'm stoked of what God's going to do in this place. Emerging partnership right here. Um, If you're listening to this, you may or may not know that alongside of coaching, we believe in experiences Mm -hmm. and we believe in um, whether it's going on a hike with folks or just getting uh, what Mark Batterson talks about, that change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. So Mm -hmm. even here, we're sitting on top of uh, a little mountain. We're looking out. Aspen trees are changing. It's beautiful here. I think differently than I do in the regular. Yeah. We've slowed down as well. We just kind of hiked up here, having a conversation. And uh, I, I just see so much fruit to that. So emerging partnership, very excited about some of the things that are on the way. But we're going to continue to go big on going small. Mm-hmm. And really those experiences where the good stuff happens, you're listening to this and thinking, my retreat, my vision, maybe for the fall, doesn't look like it did. Our getaway that we plan, that conference that we normally go to in the fall, uh, not happening. So maybe for you, it's time for coaching, but also stay tuned for more experiences that we're going to be going on. So I want you guys to know um, that we don't just uh, believe in coaching. Sometimes over Zoom, that isn't enough, but we're going to continue to go big on going small through these experiences. And it's just something that David and I 
um, always have gone back to the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like wild. Maybe you live in Iowa, you have woods, you have something you can walk, a trail you can go on. Um, Maybe you can, you know, get to the beach for a few hours to go on a walk. And so you don't have to be on top of a mountain like David and I are to get that experience. Um, I always think differently when I'm here. I had maybe two hours uh, this morning just to kind of journal and write. Mm-hmm. And God sparked some fresh new stuff uh, for me. So any thoughts, David, for leaders, you know, kind of getting away, needing some reprieve, been pushing really hard? What, what are a few ways people could maybe get that change of pace and change of place this fall? Yeah, well, first thing, if you have had to grieve the loss of some plans this summer and you move into fall and you go, oh, man, I didn't I didn't get what I usually... Yeah, I, I missed something fun. Yeah, and... My challenge for you is don't let that go <laughs> on basically don't let that go by without taking advantage of something. And it could be small. It might not look exactly the way it did. Things are still weird with COVID stuff, but figure out before you head into the kind of the fall madness, figure out a way to rest either by yourself, um, with your team, with your family. Um, don't head into the fall without having some intentional time in which you've um you know, separated yourself from your work, separated yourself from the chaos, the criticism, whatever the case is that you're, you're um, dealing with right now, figure out what you need to do before you head into fall. You can't just miss a whole summer of what you planned and just pretend like it's business as usual. That will yeah. follow you into the fall. Yeah, this ain't business and this certainly ain't usual. So I just yeah. want you guys to hear that is that you don't need a few days away. Um, mm-hmm. And that's amazing, but that isn't necessary. You may need a few hours away. How do you replenish? And make sure that you are intentionally putting times in there. Guys, it's always an investment. It is never going to come easy. You're going to have to fight for it. I mean, I have kids. I'm going to have to get away from that. My wife and I have frank conversations about how we replenish, and we replenish differently. David and I replenish differently, even though we both love the mountains. So I just want to continually be the voice giving you permission. You have permission to invest in yourself this fall. Please invest in yourself yeah. this fall. Please stay strong. So a lot going on. And so all these things that we talk about with time management and getting away and rest, um, I have to practice what I preach or I will. Um, <laughs> the, I will. the ultimate irony. Yeah. All of Stay 14 burns out during <laughs> yeah. this time talking about not burning yeah. out. We, so we laugh, guys, but seriously, I mean, that's like uh, something for us that we think we have uh, so many, so many of the tools yep. uh, and so many of the opportunities. We want to stay strong. We want to st- stay fresh for you guys, guys. The topics that we're going to be talking about, we're not just flinging topics in the middle of nowhere. We have more content than we know what to do with. We only want to bring you guys relevant topics here. And so, what we want to talk about today is this phrase I keep hearing from leaders: "I can't win. Mm. I can't win." And so, we're going to talk about three particular areas that we tend to feel like. I can't win this fall. And, and let me actually just show my cards at the beginning of this. I actually don't think you can win right now. Mm-mm. If you are trying to align with one side on a particular issue, then you're never going to be left enough. You're never going to be right enough. You're never going to be cautious enough. You're never going to be, uh, you know, faith enough, fear enough, all these dichotomies. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the messy middle. Like, what does it look like to live in the middle? And so if you're trying to quote unquote win. I think it's just going to set us up for failure. So David, talk about issue one that tends to be polarizing leaders, particularly polarizing church leaders. Yeah. I mean, right now, and there's politics attached to all of this, but you talk about COVID regulations and precautions and everything like that. There's this 
Um, you know, if you're if you're cautious, well, then you don't have enough faith, and you're not courageous enough. If you um, are meeting at all, well, you're not taking this seriously enough, or you believe that it's some hoax. I mean, we are so polarized in this country right now, and I think we feel it as leaders, and we're stuck in the middle trying to navigate um, this really hard conversation, one that none of us were prepared for, one that honestly nobody was prepared for, let alone leaders. Like if we would have walked into a store with a mask on not that long ago, (laughs) people would have thought we were robbing the joint. Now you walk on without a mask, someone will shame you for coughing on their cart of food at Safeway. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy yeah. how fast this is going. Yeah, and, and I think we're, we're still, you know, it's been a long time and we're all getting tired and fatigued, but at the same time, it's still so new in the psyche of our country that it's jarring. I mean, it's a jarring experience. And so, you know, I, I'm sure if you're a pastor listening, just like me, you've had conversations with people on both sides. And you're trying to figure out how do you navigate and how do you... Um, you know, maintain some level of unity amongst your church because you just see it splintering in front of your eyes, picking teams um, that tend to break up the community that maybe you've spent years trying to cultivate as a pastor or as a leader. And it's, it's scary. Um, it's hard. It's extremely difficult to watch that happen. And it can be so discouraging that Oftentimes in this part, you know, especially, you know, if, if your goal is to disciple um, followers of Jesus, sometimes you feel like you're, you're left with the leftovers of someone's political persuasions. And you're like, oh, that's what I get. I get about 20% that isn't covered by their political ideology, and I get to disciple that. And that's discouraging as a pastor. Um, and so, Alan, how do we navigate this season where you feel like you can't win? Yeah, I'd say expectations. I think if we change the expectation, we change the phrase, words shape worlds. And if we say, oh, I'm trying to win, or we think we can win, that means someone loses. Yeah. And I think we, courageous kingdom leaders, need to stand in the middle, not because we don't have persuasions, not because we don't have opinions. It's okay to have opinions. But I believe we need people courageous enough to stand in the middle and take some shots from either side. So I think number one is expectations and the words we use for that. I think the second one is is literally a grace and an empathy on people to say that it's it's okay. It's okay that somebody's going to take a shot at me. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, if we've been watching a little bit too much TV, yeah. <laughs> depends on which station we've been watching, right? If we've been yeah. um, you know following a, a few tweets, depends on who we've been uh, you know, chasing and hearing from, like, this secondhand information is yeah. killing us. And so I think that we need to realize it's not personal, Yeah. but people are going to bring that into our work, our church. Think about the office building where Stay Forth is. Um, our, you know, little headquarters right there, we have to wear a mask within the building, but then I'll go to somebody else's house and I bring one in my pocket because I don't know what kind of gathering that is. Mm-hmm. Do people care? And I may just kind of have it and go, oh, I'm going to put it in my pocket. That's not the gathering. I'm fine either way. Yeah. And yet, if they're wearing masks, I don't know. Do they have some condition? Do one of their kids have yeah. diabetes like that I didn't know about? I need to be extra careful. So it's not about my right. It's not about winning. It's about how can I love these people with grace and empathy because I don't know their story. I don't know, I don't know their background. Um, and also, people who are, you know, incredibly into politics. There are people who are like, I'm so out of it. I've given up on politics a long time ago. 
that would be another one. I don't think we can be either one. I don't yeah. think we can be so dogmatic on politics that politics will save the world more than the kingdom of God will. And yet, I don't think we can just throw up our hands and say, this doesn't matter. It deeply is affecting our actions, our attitudes, this polarization. Mm-hmm. So I think expectations, number one, grace and empathy, number two, um, another issue right now, election. All right, we are in the heart of election season. I don't know how much you've been paying attention to it. Again, I'm somewhere in the middle between obsessing about it and just saying, whatever, we'll wake up November 5th and the real world will start. Um, Talk about some of the challenge of living, I would say, in between parties. Tim Keller just wrote um, uh, something a few years ago that's resurfacing now. Where do Christians fit in the two-party system? They don't. And there's a whole group of people that says, I live in the middle and don't believe either side is the savior. It turns out Jesus is. How do we, how do we live in the middle, man? Yeah, <laughs> it's difficult. I wonder if you can get pay for a self-induced coma to just sleep through <laughs> November. I don't think that's a thing. Like a bear? Just yeah. hibernate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wake me up after the election. Yeah. And, okay, so the, the, what you bring up is kind of this, and it's a term I've been hearing that's really helpful for me, is political homelessness. Yep. That there's this whole biblical narrative from Old Testament to New Testament about this idea of being exiles. Yeah. That this isn't really our true home. Even Paul talks about it almost like camping, the tabernacle, where you're in this moving tent that, you know, there's great parts about it. It's fun to camp. Uh, I love camping, but it's not your true permanent home, and we need to remind ourselves of that. And so what Tim Keller, I think, highlights and other people highlight is that we don't have to live in this binary world. The world seems to be giving us two choices and we're arguing at each other and so we feel whether we know it or not we're being led into picking a side now the reality is the gospel is a third way that as christians we have a third way we have another way we get to that's good news yeah there's another option guys There's, there's another option and we need to you know it takes a level of discernment to parse that out and there's nuance in that conversation but we have to stop falling into the trap of uh, a binary world and a polarized world that the church needs to present and project and proclaim that there really is a better way. There's a third way, one that cuts through the noise. And that's so, so important to remind yourself as a leader because you are going to feel drawn, especially uh, if your crew that you're leading leans one way or the other more so. You could live in a place that's very conservative, or you could live in a place that tends to be very liberal. Let's say you're in a postmodern city or progressive city like Portland or Seattle or something like that, and so your whole culture is leaning one way. And we're we're in a very left-leaning state that is very conscious of human rights and recycling and the environment and the outdoors. And like, our context is going to shape that, but every congregation, yeah. every team um, yeah. is going to have somebody, whether they're sharing it or not, who's voting differently, thinking differently, believes differently on COVID, believes differently on race right now. So I think this is this is the conversation yeah. um, to, to continue having. Yeah, so the, the, the thing to come away with is there is a third way, that the gospel doesn't fit neatly into our you know, preconceived notions and boxes and systems. And that if we're going to be faithful to the gospel, we need to be comfortable with being politically homeless. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to become an independent or whatever or anything like that. I'm not really telling you how to do that necessarily. But if we are going to follow a third way, we have to be comfortable in the position of the exile. 
And that is something that is very uncomfortable. But for Christians to reclaim, I think, their prophetic voice as another way that doesn't fit neatly into the binary is we need to be more comfortable with our our role as exiles in the culture. And uh, the the American church hasn't been super comfortable with that (laughs) for a long time. No, no. I mean, this is, I think, uh, fairly a new reality to us that's an old reality. Yeah. We've always been a third way, right? Between power and politics and complete apathy. Um, I would actually point you to a resource. Uh, we had my brother, J.R. Briggs, on here recently talking about his new book, The Sacred Overlap. And Jesus lived in this space. And one of the quotes in the book is that when you find yourself living in the way of the kingdom, you are too liberal for others. You are too conservative for others. You are too pagan for some, too Christian for others. And it finds this space in the middle that is peculiar, somewhere in between completely normal, completely weird. It's peculiar. It's third way. It's otherworldly. And we need to reclaim that. We're actually trying to be a presence of that, say forth. We ask a lot of questions. We lead through curiosity of saying, what's God doing in your life if it's coaching? What's God doing in your team if it's consulting? Um, And David and I don't just want to be the voice of one more confirming. We want to make you think on this. We, we bring on guests who are writing things that to some will provoke, to mm-hmm. some will frustrate. And so we just want you to know that we are committed to what my brother beautifully calls the sacred overlap, that space in between like a Venn diagram. There is a third option. That's good news. There is a third option between, you know, saying, I'm going to teach people a lesson over here. I'm not going to care over here. Um, and again, I don't believe we can win. So let me just clear that expectation off of us. And so whether it's masks or no masks, whether it is Democrat or Republican, this candidate, that candidate, another one is race. And I know a lot of you have been reaching out and saying, I cannot speak up enough for part of my congregation. And my congregation, my team says I'm speaking up too much. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about that, man. What are you hearing? What are you experiencing on, on some of that as well when it comes to this, these race relations that are so... Um, heated and filled with tension in yeah. this moment. Yeah. A couple things. I, I read an article. It was, uh, I think it was in Baptist News or something like that, some kind of generic Baptist magazine. And it, it told the story of five different pastors on a Zoom call and their experience having these conversations on, on racial tensions and racial relations in uh, America. And <laughs> one pastor just mentioned race in a sermon and literally after the sermon, he was in his office and someone uh, kicked his door open for a fist fight because oh, wow. he had a conversation okay. on, on race. Now, I'm, 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 I'm guessing that most of us, our experience is a little, little less heated and charged than that. But the reality is when you add this to COVID-19, when you add this to an election cycle uh, and economic distress and you add in these racial tensions that are boiling over in in pretty much every major city, the conversation is heated and it's charged. And that means that even just certain words are going to trigger an emotional response from people. And that is probably the most difficult part is that these these words have, have these deep emotionally charged meanings that we can't have a conversation anymore. So you again, not, not personal. I don't, yeah. know the story, but I bet you he didn't mention that guy's family or mention that that guy was a racist, yeah. but that that must have provoked something if the dude wants a fistfight a pastor yeah. for mentioning race. Like, 
that's not personal. Yeah. The pastor didn't start that. Yeah. There just was a nerve that that guy had already yes. been thinking. It's not as personal as we think. No. And so um, as, as far as navigating those conversations, I mean, first for me, what I had to learn is I am so woefully uneducated and unprepared to have that conversation. Sometimes we feel the pressure as leaders, especially speaking as someone who's white and who's lived in a predominantly white area most of my life. I was woefully unprepared and inexperienced when it comes to these conversations. So don't feel the pressure to speak about something that you have no knowledge from off the, fa- uh, off the bat. We're so quick to try to speak just to have something out there so we don't look like we're passive or we don't look like we're apathetic on something. But maybe the first step to, to, to it wouldn't be apathetic, it would be active, is actually listening to people in your community um, that have experiences, that have expertise, that have, um, you know, whatever the case is, have a different experience than you in, in navigating your world. And so for me, this has been a season of listening, um, but there's this immense pressure to speak, even when you feel like you have nothing of substance to add to the conversation. In fact, you might need to listen more than speak, and I would say that's generally yeah. a good rule of thumb. And when you say listen, listening is active, guys. You can pursue environments to listen. That's what that's what David's talking about. Not well, I have nothing to say, nothing to contribute. I'm so scared, I'm going to run away. We're we're yeah. talking about actively engaging. Yeah who, if you know someone who looks different than you, ask them how they're processing this offline, not recording it, not tweeting about it. Take the pressure off. Yeah. Go have a meal with somebody. Mm-hmm. Go say, okay, this person thinks completely different than me politically, and at first I'm judging them a little bit. You know that person I'm talking about right now. You're thinking about them. Say, you know what? That's actually the call for me to get a meal and say, hey, can you help me process through this? And why that's such a big value to you? Because there's values underneath this. So mm-hmm. when we talk about listening, we're not we just mean sit back and make an excuse. We mean actively listening. Um, I think that's our assignment right now, or at least part of it. Yeah, yeah. For me, that's been a huge portion of it is that active listening piece. Because again, we have this attention economy culture where, with social media and everything like that, we feel this immense pressure to speak on everything that's happening. <laughs> Everywhere in the world, right? Like yeah. what's what's the latest thing that's going to happen? The week after we record this, some massive tsunami could hit. And do, do we need to share about that with everyone to say this is terrible? There's yeah. been a loss of life. Like, of course that's terrible. But do I know anything that can enrich the conversation on that? Yeah. And we're not wired for this. Like social media has basically thrown us into a deep end emotionally and socially that we were not, never prepared for nor designed for, that we would literally know all bad news at any given time and, and should, we should have an opinion and um, some wise sage advice on everything at, any, at every, every given point. These are conversations that need to be deep and rich, otherwise we're going to pass over them the moment they're not in the limelight. Whereas racial reconciliation, racial tensions, especially in the church, some of our ugly past, these need to be conversations that continue to be dug up and cultivated and um, in, a, in a healthy way, not just the, you know, the flavor of the week. But otherwise, it just continues to keep happening over yeah. and over and over and over and over again in these yeah. super emotionally charged ways. So guys, this is not like a, 
our, our aim isn't to have three quick steps here. This is not quick, uh, but I want to give two pieces of direction at least with some questions. And the first one is just about listening. Like David's saying, who do you need to listen to right now? Who do you need to listen to right now? And I, and I encourage you, it's probably somebody that frustrates you or you don't understand or who has different realities than you that you live out on a regular basis. Who do you need to listen to right now? And take that next step. I'm amazed how many times I think, man, this isn't going to go well. And they're like, oh, it's so good to talk. Mm -hmm. And it feels safe, right? Satan wants us to believe that this is going to be a train wreck almost all times that I come at it with a good posture. It's not only just good. It's incredible. It's like we feel closer afterwards. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. It's so important to shrink the politics down to the person because so much of their, I mean, I had a conversation, a long conversation with someone who was upset about um, COVID stuff, masks and things like that. And I have a conversation with them and I realize it's directly attached to his um, emotional state, his, his business, um, all these things where he's struggling. And I, I realized this isn't a political moment. This is a pastoral moment where I was coming into it thinking that this was going to be some big art, you know, ideological argument or something like that. And it was really this moment for pastoral shepherding that quite frankly, I needed to repent of because I was, you know, replacing the person with generic politics. Mm -hmm. And so, Alan, what you're talking about where you need to listen, you need to have empathy and compassion, what that's doing is it's shrinking down this faceless political ideology and having a conversation with the person. Yeah, you can throw rocks at an idea, but the moment that that's a person then suddenly that changes because mm -hmm. I go, I, I can't just throw a rock and wound this person. Yeah. But if it's like a massive political campaign or an idea, mm -hmm. you can throw rocks at that. But suddenly, whoa, there's a person. Mm -hmm. I wonder what's going on. So who can you and should you listen to? And the second thing is really simple. What are you uniquely positioned to do? Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example of this. What are you uniquely positioned to do? So stay forth. We deeply care about racial equity, about racial reconciliation. And as I prayed over this, also know that two of my kids are black. They're adopted from Ethiopia. And so we have conversations uh, almost every night now. I mean, if not every night, um, almost every night with my 16-year-old daughter. These are conversations that I've been having with very close friends of mine um, who are black friends, uh, who are leaders. And so during this time, I thought, to move beyond listening, I, well, I'm actually uniquely positioned mm. to bring on, her name is Melinda Joy Mingo. She's an expert um, who was already excited about coaching and went, wait a minute, we have an opportunity actually to bring Melinda Joy Mingo into our team. Her book just released, The Colors of Culture, and actually to shape first our team in how can we become more generous and more equitable around diversity and inclusion and then also for Stay Forth to be a resource. Now, if Melinda Joy wasn't positioned with our team, we wouldn't be leading the way as a bunch of white people in that. So just, just hear me say that. There are some things that you can do. And so I think sometimes we can move beyond listening to say, it would have been fear for me to not have that conversation to say, Melinda Joy, it feels like there's more here than just you being a coach. You do a lot of this training. What if this happens underneath? Stay forth. And so your team, your church may be able to do more. David, I really respect when you're like, I don't have much to contribute to the conversation a few months ago. And so it wasn't like, all right, we're bringing conversations about what David and I's views are mm -hmm. on racial reconciliation, because truthfully, 
we don't have much to add to the conversation. We do have other voices we can highlight. Yeah. So we brought in dear white leaders. Yeah. We recommend other resources. And so, like David's talking about, too many times we move from I have to have something to say on this. Says who? Yeah. Say, says who? And you don't have to be your platform. A lot of times we, we, there's a distinction there. You have a platform in your life. You have a sphere of influence. And you can give that away. You can submit that to other voices when you don't have any sort of expertise. And really, that's a posture that we probably need more of uh, in these conversations where we feel this pressure and we need to be an expert on everything. Yeah, it's, if, and that's just good old-fashioned humility right there. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a platform, if you have a position, if you have a sphere of influence and you feel ill-equipped and ill-prepared to have some of these conversations, bring in someone that you trust and know that can have those conversations um, and and give over, um, seed some of that authority and influence uh, from your platform to someone else. Guys, um, again, there's two things. Listen, and then what can you do? Is there a next step? And that won't surprise you if you've been listening to this, if you've been coached by uh, someone on our team, you hear any of the resources we've written, we're always asking, what's your next right step? And so we don't just want this for you, good content in, in and out of your ear, but what's your next right step? Just know that our team wrestles and we pray and we all have to figure this out in our different families, family of origins, um, you know, political uh, contexts, the local churches that we serve within, the teams we lead, businesses. So our team is wrestling and we want to invite you to do the same. And we're on the journey here. If you are interested in the diversity and inclusion training with our expert, Melinda Joy Mingo, uh, you can go ahead to our website. It's on our coaching page, stayforth.com backslash coaching. She does both trainings and she can coach you, especially if you're a point leader. There's just a lot of questions we want to ask without judgment. And she's one of the most grace-filled people I know. There's no dumb questions uh, in this process. And uh, also, we just want to not just encourage you, keep listening uh, to our podcast. We love that. Not just rate, uh, rate us on iTunes. Sure, we love that. But if there's one friend that you say, man, this is a conversation they need to have, just share this with one person, two people, three people. You can just drop down if you're in iTunes and text this over to a friend, share the link with someone. Um, that's some of the best feedback that we're getting is my friend shared this with me, not like we blasted it on social media. Sure, that's great, but there may be one person you're thinking of right now. Um, guys, we care that you would live a wise and discerning life. So uh, when I think about 10 years from now, when I look back in 2030, I want to be known as someone who lived wisely lived with discernment, they lived with prudence in a really tough time that's very reactive. So guys, we're in your corner. This is not easy to wade through, but we know that it is possible to live and lead well through this. So signing us off from a rustic primitive cabin <laughs> on top of a mountain, David and I are out. We got to continue this hike. So we'll catch you guys on the next episode. And we are so grateful for you guys tracking along the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We ain't focused so long.